0: CHAPTER V OF THE HEATH HOVER MYSTERY BY BERTRAM MITFORD This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. CHAPTER V. THE ENQUIRY About lunchtime, a smart dog-cart came bowling along the snow-covered road, and from it descended the doctor and the police inspector, likewise a constable. Old Joe, with his slower conveyance, had been left to follow on. Dr. Sandys was a good representative of the prosperous GP in practice, in a prosperous market town, genial, hardy, and prepared to be surprised at nothing which came in his way professionally. The inspector likewise was a good type of his kind, tall, alert, rather soldierly in countenance and bearing. "'Well, Mr. Mervin, this is a strange sort of happening, isn't it?' began the former. "'However, the first thing to do is to get to work.' "'Will you look at the, uh, the body first, or the locality?' said Mervin. "'The locality?' "'Yes, I mean where I first picked him up. I suppose Joe told you all about it, didn't he?' "'Yes, he told us all about it, after a fashion.' "'said the inspector with a slight smile. "'But I needn't remind you, Mr. Mervyn, "'what sort of a telling-all-about-it "'one would be likely to get from a man of old Joe's stamp. "'So the first thing to do "'is for you to give us your account of what happened.' "'And the speaker's hand instinctively dived for his notebook. "'I rather think I had better inspect the subject "'the first thing, Nashby,' struck in the doctor. "'Of course. This way.' Mervyn showed them into the room and raised the blinds, which he had lowered again after the first discovery. The constable was left in charge of the dog-cart. The doctor bent over the dead man and proceeded to make his first examination. The bystanders could not but notice that he looked more than a little puzzled. "'We shall have to strip him,' he said, looking up, this was done the police inspector giving his aid mervyn stood and looked on the body was that of a well-knit well-proportioned man probably on the right side of forty no sign of injury none whatever pronounced the doctor and his heart is as sound as a bell here is something but it seems of no importance at one time or other he was addicted to the drug habit, pointing to the left arm, which he had raised. But not lately. "'Not lately?' echoed the inspector, whose notebook was in full swing. "'Now to be precise, doctor, up to how lately should you say?' "'It's impossible to be precise,' was the answer. "'If by that you mean exactly how many years ago he discontinued the habit,' and from all appearances he needn't have been very greatly addicted to it even then certainly not less than five or six years ago possibly longer indeed i should say longer the inspector nodded and for a minute or two his stylo was very busy indeed the puzzled frown on the surgeon's face grew deeper and deeper and well it might here was a strong well-built healthy man in the prime of life dying in his sleep and no sign whatever to guide science towards the discovery of the cause we shall have to make an exhaustive post-mortem said the doctor at last covering the dead man again and to this end i must take steps for having the body removed to Clancehurst, for i propose to call in first-rate expert assistance. very good sir assented the inspector briskly relieved that he was now going to get his own innings and also all his professional keenness to the fore over the prospect of being put in charge of a very out-of-the-way case and now with mr mervyn's permission i will take his statement as to the whole of last night's occurrence you shall have it to the full was the answer but first of all had you not better go through the poor chap's clothes they are hanging up in the kitchen where i put them to dry those he has on now are mine which i rigged him out with as a change needless to say i haven't touched a thing of his pending your arrival you may find some clue to identification there we'll do so at once said the police officer and they adjourned forthwith to the kitchen the clothes were hanging where they had been placed the night before and were now quite dry but mystery seemed likely to be piled on mystery except some sovereigns and silver change amounting to something over five pounds in all the pockets were absolutely empty not a scrap of paper no card-case or pocket-book not even a purse besides the money an old waterbury watch attached to a leather guard made up the entire contents furthermore the clothes themselves afforded no clue the buttons were plain horn ones and bore the name of no tailor nor was there any shop mark upon any article of hosiery and now the police inspector warmed to his work for he could see that all such indications had been carefully and deliberately removed. But by whom, and with what object? That was his business to find out. Now, Mr. Mervyn, if you please, I should like your statement. Certainly. Let's go back into the other room, and I'll get you some foolscap to take it down on. It'll ease your notebook, eh, Inspector?" mervyn told his story plainly and concisely as we know it not omitting any detail any detail yes he omitted just one-the finding of the metal disc but at that point of the narrative which related to the apparition or hallucination of the opening door both his auditors looked up keenly for they were acquainted with the weird legends which popular belief hung around Heath-Hover. "'As sure as I sit here,' went on the narrator, "'that manifestation—delusion, if you like—was the means of saving the man's life, for if I hadn't seen it I should have finished dropping off to sleep in my chair. And had I done so, why, he might have shouted till doomsday without my hearing him.' However, it didn't seem much good, as things turned out. The inspector laid down his stylo. "'Now, Mr. Mervyn, if you'll be so good, we will examine that door and what lies beyond it.' "'Certainly,' and Mervyn, unlocking a drawer in his writing table, produced a long, brown, heavy key. "'See,' he went on, it was under this pile of papers. I always keep it there. Yet that door opened of itself, just as I have described. I'd swear to that as positively as I can swear to anything in my life. "'You have strong nerves, Mr. Mervyn,' said the inspector, a thought dryly, perhaps, as he took the key which the other tendered to him. The lock, though a trifle stiff, turned without difficulty. A black gap yawned in front, and a close yet chilly, fungus-laden air greeted their faces. "'Hold hard now till I get some candles,' went on Mervyn. In a moment these were obtained and lighted, each carrying one. "'I'd better lead,' he appended, perhaps anticipating the thought that flitted through the mind of the police officer it would be so easy otherwise to spring back and locking the pair securely in that vault thus obtain for himself a start of several hours such things had happened a good bit of a shiver ran through the trio as they descended into the dank mustiness of the vault the walls glistened with moisture so did the stone floor but there was no break in the solid masonry save for one hole barely four inches across which admitted air from the outside but no light the inspector made a minute and exhaustive examination of both walls and flooring but there was no sign of either having been disturbed perhaps for centuries my belief is that this place was nothing more than a common or homely wine cellar said mervyn as having found nothing whatever to reward their investigation they took their way up the stone steps again the fact of the existence of a disused empty vault like this under a house is enough to give rise to all sorts of weird beliefs centering around it but yet that door business of last night well if that was an optical delusion i'll never believe in my own eyesight again and now, as they regained the outer day, before we start to look at the hole in the ice, how about a little something stimulating after your drive, eh? The doctor was agreeable, in fact quite willing, but the cautious police officer declined. Mervyn, seeing through this thought too, got out a new bottle with the seal intact and drew the cork likewise he placed an unbroken siphon on the table perhaps rather ostentatiously while thus engaged the pony cart rumbled up bringing the returning joe he too now the inspector desired to question possibly because disregarding his master's parting injunction the old rustic had been imbibing some dutch courage in the shape of a couple of goes of square hollands on the way back at the dog and partridge the same number of miles distant upon the road he was able to answer these questions in a straight and fairly lucid manner though he would more than once revert as his mind misgave him to his stock declaration "'I don't see no strange gentleman here last night. you mind I said so, Mr. Mervyn. I didn't see he.'" "'Nobody said you did, Joe,' reassured the inspector. "'You only saw him this morning, after he was dead.'" "'As God's truth, I reckon, Mr. Nashby, sir,' was the fervent rejoinder. "'One thing more, if you'll excuse me, Mr. Mervyn said nashby i'll just examine this room a little he looked on the floor under the couch in cupboards and drawers not omitting the old vases of quaint ware that stood on the mantelpiece the owner watching with outward indifference had his own thoughts so had the inspector whoever had been the cause of this unknown stranger's death it had been no one entering the house from outside determined the latter. Then they adjourned to view the scene of the rescue along the path through the wood, Mervyn pointed out the footprints half obliterated by subsequent snow left by himself and the rescued stranger, likewise those quite fresh made by himself and old Joe that morning on their respective and independent progresses to the spot. Of these, Nashby took careful measurements. "'There you are,' went on Mervyn as they arrived at the place. "'You'll see the hole is newly frozen over, but the ladder's just where I left it. The water's over twenty feet deep there, but what the deuce started the poor chap on the ice at all is what bangs me. Seems to me we're up against a very tall thing in mysteries.' "'I shouldn't wonder if we were, Mr. Mervyn,' rejoined the inspector, again rather dryly. "'Couldn't we trace his footmarks back?' suggested the doctor. "'It would show the direction he had come from, and then we could make inquiries. Eh, Nashby?' "'The very thing I was going to do,' answered the latter. But the plan, though good, was difficult of execution." The footmarks were almost obliterated by the more recent snowfall, in places quite so, and they led from nowhere direct. They zigzagged and twisted, as though their perpetrator were wandering at random and round and round, then lost themselves altogether in a sort of small ravine but the very incoherency of their course suggested a reason for the stranger plunging into the peril he had done. Clearly he had got lost in the thick woods and had welcomed this long broad stretch of open and apparently strong ice as a way out. Now I would suggest an adjournment for lunch, said Merman. We can take up the trail afterwards where we left it that's not half a bad idea assented the doctor heartily thanks very much mr mervyn i'd been about a bit before i started for here and after a drive through this invigorating air it seems a long while ago since breakfast time inspector nashby raised no objection a stalwart police officer even though on an interesting case and prospectively a case for advancement is not proof against the pangs of deferred appetite on a crisp keen frosty day but even while discussing good cheer in an impromptu way in mervyn's kitchen for they left the living room in silent possession of the dead nashby kept his eyes about him and his perceptions at full cock for nashby had his theories already forming the doctor as yet had formed none while thus engaged they missed the fact that the sunbright day had overclouded. They were awakened to it, however, by the discovery that it had begun to snow again more than begun indeed, for the snow was coming down not merely in flakes but almost in slabs. A little more of it, and they would hardly be able to get back to Clancehurst. The inspector jumped to his feet. "'Heavens!' he ejaculated, going to the window. "'Why, this'll cover up all and any footprints there may be to find beyond where we left off.' "'Shouldn't wonder if it did.' "'Well, it can't be helped,' said Mervyn coolly. He had by now quite got behind the policeman's suspicions, and was taking rather a half-hearted delight in teasing that worthy. Have another whiskey and soda, Inspector? Thanks, no. I'll go and take up the track where we left it. If you'll take my advice, you won't, said Mervyn. In fact, you'll get back to Clancehurst as soon as possible, and come back here when it's all clear again. Why, you've seen how even a moderate snowdrift can pile up. "'If you get caught in the middle of this deluge of it, "'right out in the thick of the woods, "'why, I shouldn't wonder if you're as stiff as our poor friend there, "'before many hours are gone. "'What do you say, doctor?' "'What do I say? "'Why, that I can't afford to get snowed up right away in the country for days. "'What price my practice?' "'So, if it's all the same to you, Mr. Mervyn. I'll ask you to have my cart hitched up and start before it gets worse." Nashby had not waited to hear this decision. He had gone outside to see if it really was impracticable to pursue the search. But even before he had reached the top of the path which led to the sluice, the rush of the blinding cold flakes into his eyes drove him back. "'No, it'd be quite useless he said by no means pleased couldn't do anything in the teeth of this but it won't be dead against us going back rather behind us that's one thing so they started the inspector very dissatisfied and very suspicious he questioned the doctor all the way along the road under difficulties certainly because of the blinding sheets of snow which drove in upon them rendering breathing let alone conversation difficult as to mervyn his circumstances and his antecedents above all his antecedents but on this point the doctor was able to give no information only that he knew no more on the subject than did his questioner and mervyn was left alone with the dead in solitary haunted heath hover yet not quite alone for the police constable was left too and perhaps he was not sorry for the man's companionship for the snow whirled down in masses for the best part of the night blocking the road in huge drifts and the wind howled dirgefully round the gables of the house where lay the living and the man who had come there to meet his strange mysterious death End of chapter five.